um, first take of bad announcement that I won't use starting now. Hi. See, I, I always got get, it out of the way. I get my part down. When you go, <laughs> Richard, I go, howdy. Hi. Wrong. Welcome to Mount Rushmore. I'm Jeff. And as always, I'm joined by my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Uh, this time we are joined again by my co-judge and sibling, Sam. How's it going, Sam? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm very good because we've got a very lively category, and this is the Mount Rushmore of albums you listen to as a child and no fronting. By the way, Sam has been locked in this room all week. Yep. He's waiting for the next episode to show up. Chain, it's a little cruel for, the for you. It's a little cruel for you to do that to your brother. Did we leave Jeff. enough food for you? I saw you, like, you have been you chewing look, on your arms. Yeah. I prefer I prefer the dry rather than the wet, actually. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> you'll, you'll get nothing and like it. Uh, so uh, whose choice was this? This was my choice. And I'm interested in kind of what makes a person into the, the music lover that they are. Yeah. Like, I wonder what what is the first thing that you get into and you're like, okay. And it's kind of, does that, uh, color your current music choices or did that completely, is it the opposite of what, is it the things that you're like, you rejected once you turned into a rotten teenager or is it something that you're like kind of built upon mm-hmm. for the rest of your life? Are these that seminal? Because like, the, the music choices that we had as, as young people were usually it's an analog media of some kind. It's a tape. It's a, maybe it's a CD. If, I don't know what, Age range. Vinyl, mine will be vinyl. Yeah. Mine were all tapes. And you didn't have access to all the music like young people do now. So th- these things were on repeat for a while, weren't they? I think that was part of it too. Is and that- you, and, Well, you couldn't just go on Spotify. Yeah. There were set offerings. It wasn't like a bunch of value menu things. It was like, this is what you're going to listen to. Yeah. These, these were, for the most part, these were like four albums that I'd listened to until the tape basically broke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you kind of had it in many cases, it was, you had to put faith into the album when you bought it. Because you only maybe knew one song or two songs from the album. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like today where you can go through and Spotify and just, you know, or iTunes and yeah. get a sample at least yeah. of all the songs before, say, if you purchase it, purchase it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Most albums, maybe you knew one or two songs and you thought, oh, those two songs sound good enough. I'll give the rest of the, mm-hmm. the album a shot. And, and we don't know your choices yet, but in some cases, uh, so I, I am older brother to Sam and he may have acquired some, some music that I left behind. I know his, his mom is a real prolific uh, collector, so they may have been inherited versus purchased. Sure, oh, sure. So. Sure, all those Frankie Yankovic uh, uh, <laughs> accordion, accordion albums. <laughs> polka, 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 mm-hmm. as Jeff always said, you know. So, so yeah, and not even getting to what uh, music does for you in terms of uh, uh, sending you in certain intellectual directions or opening horizons or uh, um, teaching you about about life and you can make assumptions as a young person about what this album that you have represents about the world. Um, this is also kind of maybe we're listening, all of us were listening on analog players in which you couldn't really so easily skip forward to the other thing. You had to kind of listen to the old album. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to suffer through some questionable tracks for some good ones. So um, I can, can I add a, a little thing? I, oh, yeah. um, I think it's interesting also uh, that the, the, the wholeness, um, uh, the package of the uh, CD or tape or album or whatever it is, is exactly from like a business standpoint, what iTunes was going after, trying to like disaggregate that bunch of, um, you know, just ever increasing 
value uh, that the that uh, you know Best Buy or the record label or whatever was assigning to this because they knew you were in prison, uh, you know, to having to listen to all this, so they could make it eleven dollars and then fourteen dollars and then seventeen dollars or whatever it was, and it became more and more unacceptable to everybody. So, sort of the beauty of that package was also the the nightmare uh, of of having to. to it was a marketing that. delivery system. Yeah, and okay. to know that Bobby Brown didn't even couldn't stay sober long enough to record you know twelve tracks and that you were in fact like listening to my prerogative for just like the second time <laughs> within that same album or whatever it is, and that we all just had to eat it or figure out how to make a mixtape with you know yeah. pause on two tape decks mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Like, now you get so. into maxi single territory, by the way. <laughs> the seven inch remix, the dance remix, the club remix, all of it. Milk it. Well, let's uh, get it going. Michael chose it. Richard, you start it. All right. So I'm going to go. And um, I, Michael, I discussed this before the show because there's it, so much collusion it, here. What's going on? Well, we're living together now. Oh, that's hot. So no, because um, I just wanted to clarify, because I know we've talked about this on the show before that my older brother, I think kind of maybe similar to you guys was my kind of gateway into music. So uh, it was hard for me to think about the stuff I was listening to, let's say in middle school or even early junior high that wasn't the stuff that was just his albums that he had laying around that I would listen to. So this is all stuff I'd say probably 83 to 86. So it would have been, you know, fourth to sixth grade probably. Okay. Um, So the first one is Synchronicity by The Police. Hmm. And I actually have proof that I had this, was a a police fan because I have a newspaper clipping of me from when I was like 11. We took a class field trip to the local recycling center to go give in all of our, you know, uh, soda bottles and cans that we'd collected. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of me in the local newspaper in my synchronicity t-shirt with my fake members only jacket on on top of it, getting paid my 38 cents or whatever I got for my uh, soda cans that I brought in. If you could travel in time as that child to any bar in Los Feliz, you would be the hipsterest hipster there. <laughs> I know. I would not have even gotten carded, I don't yeah. believe. Also, I also had a full beard and mustache by that point. <laughs> Italian, Mexican was already alive. <laughs> well, when you said to prove it, was there any question? Well, in case you guys were, were thinking I was fronting. Oh, was that's, like, oh uh, that's right. I yeah, there's no front. There's yeah. no front. Yeah. I, no frontage. I could have been fronting, but oh. I'm not. Because guess, it does sound like one of those ones like, oh man, I was like 11. I was listening to the police. Yeah. It sounds shady as yeah. shit, right? I, although I will tell you, I saw the Synchronicity Tour. Yeah. I was alive and there and doing it. And I remember thinking the police were over by then. Oh, really? Yeah. These well, they guys, hated each other by then. They hated each other, but also it just felt like, that felt like the beginning of Sting's career to me. Yeah, because it, it was so different. In, in hindsight, it was so different than... Regatta de Blanc, Zanata. So many of those other yeah. albums, yeah. It, it didn't seem... It, what, what it had done is they'd actually find a, found a sound that evolved past punk beats reggae, you know. Right. And, and so then the, so it was cool. It was musical evolution. And it was a gr- it's still a great album. You know what's it, funny it, is I re-listened to it, and it's a very good album. I don't think it's a great album, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Not even close to the police's best album. Co-judge, and let it be known that he's. Uh, I guess this is an objection. Is that what it is? I'm objecting S- to my own sustained. Pick. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm objecting to my own. Pick. I, I will say that uh, that I'm. I'm, I'm out gonna, of order. If I can, if I my can whole object, out of order. Uh, uh, a, a frontin objection. Oops. Oh, so, uh, okay. A, a frontin. Yeah. Uh, that I think uh, you're really trying to claim that you were like an early recycler. That's and, uh, also true. Like, <laughs> well, it was it was it was uh, state enforced or city enforced. Oh, oh was so it? well, I'm, it was a school project, school thing. <laughs> okay, because we, we we came from such a dirt poor town that the, they, that's how you, we ran. Well, that's the school. what it was called, salvage. Still, or, yeah, or, or wow. just like redemption. Was it, this newspaper recycling? 
Um, no, it was it was like, like bottles like and sodas cans? and cans. Like like I think it was like something where they're trying to Sorry. do um, like some like, hey, it's good for the environment to do it. So everyone for a month and we'll go to the recycling center, okay. which was a cool as shit field trip anyway. We always we had the because uh, you got to see stuff get crushed. Now, now they showed you the whole thing. It was, and homeless people. <laughs> we didn't have homeless people in my town. It was a farming community. We just fed them into the thresher for uh, for uh, food for they the just cows. lived in the silos. <laughs> exactly. In elementary school, we had like newspaper recycling drives where uh, each like homeroom would like gather up the most newspapers you could, and you were judged by it. And I remember like you could always tell when like the rich people came along because they, they must have had these huge garages full of newspapers well, they, they read, got like, the every New York day Times. yeah that they got every day and it's like oh yeah we know them they live up on the hill and they get the newspaper oh the financial times oh what's the pound at today timmy look, look at the, look at these big city slickers where they're newspapers that don't have colors in them do you have a do you have a favorite song from that album um or something that like is just so i well personal favorite would be synchronicity too because it, it, and partially it is something that's completely sounds way different than the rest of the album. I think what you're alluding to, Jeff, is I think Sting found a sound that was bigger and more populist, if mm-hmm. you will, sort mm-hmm. of a, a a musical, a way to kind of blend what he was he was doing earlier in his career with more of an, say, an arena ready yeah. sound. Yeah. And synchronicity is this loud, kind of metally discordant, mm-hmm. you know, very reverby thing that I think for a lot of I think, and for a lot of reasons, that's par- probably why I think it holds up better than a lot of the songs on that album. Mm-hmm. And I was, when I was researching this, I went and looked back and, man, 83, I mean, it's one of the biggest albums maybe of all time, right? We, we, we did, yeah, yeah. It's not even the biggest album of that year because that's the year that Thriller came out. So it's like, I, I remember that as a kid, like I didn't own Thriller, but I owned Synchronicity, Synchronicity. Hmm. Just, you know, starting my career of being a, a know-it-all douchebag. Very early on. You're very successful in it, too. Yeah, you know, do what you love, yeah. is what I say. But yeah, this that year... Do what you love. I'm sorry. Uh, that year, the albums that were top the charts, there's only like eight of them. It was uh, Men at Work, business, business as Usual. Then it was Thriller. Then it was the Flashdance soundtrack for two weeks. And then it was Thriller again. Wow. Then it was Synchronicity for like eight weeks. And then it was Thriller again. You can't, you can't kill Thriller. He keeps and coming back like a zombie. And then it was Synchronicity for like another eight or nine weeks. Then it was Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Yes. Can't Slow Down by Lionel Richie. And then Thriller again. So I, I, I do remember that everyone was in total Michael Jackson phase in 1983. There's almost like layers of rock where you pinpoint like at what point you actually bought Thriller. Like where in Sedimentary, there yeah. yeah. You go through the fossil records and see which how, how much of Michael Jackson's nose is left, and you can actually trace it from that. But it's in, in terms of being just an album that I think to me was one of the first albums that I that I got into that felt maybe a little bit not quite pure pop music. Hmm. Although now that I look back on it, it's like no, it was pretty damn poppy and pretty mm-hmm. you know for everybody. So well, it's a thing. It's important too. Um, and I, I grew up with sort of U uh, two early nineties when they were really trying and some i think on the like album pop it didn't work but like zuropa and octung baby like they were trying to go more electronic could see what could happen and uh, it, the one thing about sting is like 
whether you like it or not, or Fields of Gold sounds like Muzak, even the non-Muzak yeah, version of sure, it. Yeah. You know, he was always trying. And even like, you know, the the sort of the effort to bring in reggae within a British band that had a good looking front man who played the bass for God's sake, yeah. you know, like just every aspect of it was a little off. So you sort of had to give them at least a golf clap uh, for all of it. <laughs> There's an Onion article that I remembered from a few years ago that was, hey, I used to be cool once by Sting. Yep. And it was like about him being like in some sort of store and he heard uh, stuck in the 50s or some it was like some song like from one of the early albums. And he's like, wow, this is kind of great. It's kind of kind of punk, but kind of reggae. This is really interesting. Then it turned out it was by me. <laughs> so. Well, and he was a school teacher, so sort of everything was gravy beyond uh, school teacherness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winfield, you're up. Uh, my first pick is the 1980 album Chipmunk Punk <laughs> yeah. by the Chipmunks. Finally, we were all thinking it. I call definitely not fronting on that one. <laughs> and he might be a little bit fronting. I don't know. Uh, we'll I, see. I love this album. I was this the European import or the American? <laughs> The maxi single. <laughs> Did you have this on 24K? No, I had it. I had it on cassette tape. I, all of the albums that I listened to, I had on cassette tape. I don't remember them being on like a record player. I think my sister had a record player and that was about it. I don't think I had it. But Chipmunk Punk was an album that, one, has zero punk songs on the album. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all new wave. It's all like oh. uh, 30%, 33% of the album is by The Knack. They're all covers of just other new wave songs. So I saw The Knack. Let's go by... The, uh, the Cars, Good Girls Don't Buy the Knack, How Do I Make You by Linda Ronstadt, Refugee by Tom Petty. Linda uh, Ronstadt? <laughs> frustrated by the Knack, Side 2, Call Me by Blondie. Uh, we'll get back to that in a sec. You May Be Right by Billy Joel, Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen, and wow. then to finish it off, My Sharona by the Knack. Wow. But this is, an, this is an album that I can't hear the real version of the songs. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm imagining the chipmunk versions of the song yeah, no, as you even say them. Yeah. Good girls don't hundred percent. I, if you were to ask me to play that song in my head, it's the chipmunks version. Yeah. I guess this, the story behind, behind how this album came out is that some DJ in San Francisco had as a joke played, uh, call me by Blondie on like double speed. by the chipmunks and people started to call in and request it then people started to go <laughs> call into uh like record stores and saying hey do you have the new chipmunks album it was actually and he's K- like, it was k-mat the mighty k-mat okay 94 7 here in los angeles oh and then in la mm-hmm. in la then. because we're cooler than you guys <laughs> so the 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 guy i guess it wasn't the guy from Chip, the chipmunks it was like his son because his the guy that Bagdasarian, yeah, Ross Bagdasarian, he had died, and this was their first like release since 1969 of new material. But this is the album that I just, you know, I was a lot of these I was too young to understand what they were singing about. You know, uh, "Good Girls Don't Buy the Knack" is basically yeah. about sex. I mean, yeah. all the songs are about sex. Yeah, um, "Call Me" is about male prostitution. <laughs> so as, I know, right? "Refugee" is about sex with refugees. <laughs> <laughs> but like this song, like this album in particular is super kitsch, but you know, aimed at kids kind of, it's a little subversive kind of, but I just, I, I love this album to, to pieces. Did you, did you have an awareness of the actual songs that they were? Not until I was much older. Not until I started listening to like K-Rock. 
Was it the, and you start hearing all of these songs on like you know a flashback lunch? Do you think the musicality of the songs was any of the appeal, or was it the high pitched voices and the fact? That, did you see a an image of the Chipmunks or animation or anything that made you? No, I think I think they're pretty much blurred. I, you know, I think this kind of started them a few years later. You know, they had a, like a Chipmunks cartoon, and they do basically the same thing yeah. where they'd cover other pop songs in like a Chipmunk style, and it was kind of like the rebirth of. It became a big deal. I remember them doing like Wooly Bully and like all these different songs. Yeah, they, and like, then they went through as many as they could for a while. Um, so it was. I don't know if it was just like part of like that weird kind of comedy rock thing that happened with like you know Weird Al. It must have been on doc, played on Doctor Demento a lot. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing. <laughs> Doctor Demento, wind up your radios. I empathize because I had a Care Bears record that had a Care Bears birthday break dance rap. On <laughs> way it. to ruin my next choice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and I played it when I was DJing the other night at a hip uh, spot in Culver City. Oh, really? Yeah, they loved it. They ate it up. <laughs> That's that was incredible. From Zap and Roger and uh, Ghost Town DJs right into... Uh, yeah. It's funny because, like, you know, being an adult now, I look down upon... Like the you look down on a lot of stuff. Sure. He's, also, he's also seven foot eight. Yes or no? <laughs> um, but like the Chipmunks movies that just came out, and like the versions that they've done of like pop song. This is the same sort of thing, but they're a little. I guess they're probably a little more. Trolls had a huge hit, commercial about but it, but they were they weren't singing in novelty voices, but they were still they were kind of juvenileized pop music, right? Uh, I no no I don't know about that. I mean, I was just thinking of like the actual Chipmunks. Do you know they're not real? Wow. <laughs> Did you, Jeff saw him on tour in 83. <laughs> That's true. I did. Uh, I think part of it is that, is it just that the songs that they're now doing are like sort of disposable pop songs? It could, so it's not quite it as be. funny they're, as like doing like a car not, song or something. Yeah, they're not about co- sex. They're not covering like Arcade Fire or anything that would be like. That'd be oh, great. I'd like to hear that. I would like to hear the <laughs> chipmunk version of. Uh, Every time you close your eyes. <laughs> The central joke also of the chipmunks just being sped up and like that they've now there are MP3s out of of the things like slowed down appropriately. I was going to bring that like up. Clearly, it's very strange singing. Yeah, the the slowed down version is kind of super creepy. Where you hear them demonic. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. Well, it's a fun choice, uh, and it does speak. Did you go and seek this album? Was it given to you as a gift? I have no recollection. It was. It's. It's just like Darth Vader. It's always been in my life. Okay. It's. I don't know if that's front and that's questionable. <laughs> okay. Uh, Darth Vader has always, <laughs> always been, been in my life. Start, is Darth Vader front? <laughs> I have you now. <laughs> is he your father? <laughs> uh, Richard, what is your second choice? My second choice is the album Big Bam Big Bam Boom by Hall and Oates. What is it? Big Bam Boom by Hall and Oates. Okay. Have you heard of Hall and Oates? <laughs> Are you familiar with their oeuvre? You wrote Big Bang Boom, but it says... You it's say, actually Big Bam. Big Bam. Big boom. Bam Boom. Oh, but am I saying... I'm yeah, saying which is it, Richard? Clarify it. Like Big and then like Bam, like Bam Bam Bigelow. This is Hall with Oats. Okay. Yes. Um, this Hall. is the, featuring Oats. Also yeah. Oats. FT Oats. <laughs> this would be the last album that they made that people gave a shit about, oh, basically. Okay. So this is the one that's got Out of Touch on it and yeah. a Method of Modern Love. Yeah. So this is, yeah, again, it's it's 84. So it's it's right before they started, right before I think the commercial taste started to shift and they tried to get sort of almost new wave to yeah. kind of adapt to that, yeah. except it's 1985 and they're trying to get sort of more new wave and yeah. it's already three years past its sell-by date. Mm-hmm. So they're, they wound up getting to that point where they're kind of struggling to figure out how the, how do you sound relevant Blue eyed soul seemed outdated. Yeah, it, it, and and particularly with two white guys, mm-hmm. you know, that look like them, like Hall and Oates. Yeah, um, which I guess would be blue eyed. I, I, I will yeah. say that I don't know if you recall. Well, not even like just that they're white; that they're 
fucking hauling out. Was this the album? One album, I think it was a video. Daryl Hall, I think, had a shirt that said 1984. Yeah, I think, yeah I think that might have been, that might have been adult education, which well, is. I saw I them know. perform in concert. Of course you did, Jeff. He, he, wore, that, damn it. he wore that shirt. And a roadie or somebody had taped a piece of black gaff tape through the 1984 because it was clear that it wasn't, this was 1985. 1985. <laughs> it was just kind of like, the, boy, maybe they don't have that much money either. That's what I thought at the time. <laughs> and that they had a copy editor for their yeah, uh, shirts. Yeah, shirts like, yeah. Was it like the Step. red, like yeah, sort of like yeah. swirly one? Yeah. Um, but See it's, class. yeah, this is of, of course featuring uh, the loathsome G.E. Smith on electric guitar. Yeah. I don't know if he actually is or isn't, but he just has the type of face you, that you want to punch. Yeah, it's Jack Palance's uglier son. <laughs> With yeah. straight, long, stringy yeah. hair. Gilda Radner married him, though, so he couldn't have oh, been all that. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. right. yeah wow. before Gene uh, uh, Wilder, yeah. Because apparently she had a wow. thing for guys with shitty hair. Shitty. I don't know. But it, 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 I remember buying this because I had really liked, you know, Hall Notes was like a, the shit in the early 80s. And that was probably the first soul music I was really exposed to oh, other yeah. maybe like Motown type stuff. And I do, I do think I bought, I do think I got this album. Oh, by the way, track one, instead of tra- track one, it's side bam and track two is side boom. <laughs> That's a sign you're doing a lot of cocaine guys. <laughs> but I, I do think this is the first album that I got and I was vaguely disappointed by. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Cause the, the two singles, those are really good songs. songs on this album going back and listening to it so i think this was the first time i ran into that sort of i like these first two songs i'll go get the album and then it was like oh i could have just got the two singles saved myself about Uh 10 bucks and 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 done the same thing had had you you said you uh were into soul or you'd listened to soul had you listened to some of their albums and real their previous albums had realized they were changing their sound i don't think i had i think well i think i'd listened to previous albums i'd have to go back and check what the previous albums were let me do that real quick well, the last one was H2O, which had like Maneater, One-on-One, Family Man. It had, that was like a really stacked album. Um, so I think this, I, I just think this was a two-song album. Mm-hmm. And when you're, whatever I was, 10 at the time. Yeah. And that's like two weeks worth of allowance to yeah. buy a record. Yeah. And it's got two decent songs. It's especially disappointing. Mere decades later, Napster came to liberate you from the tyranny of the two-song <laughs> album. Thank God Napster's still around. Wait. But uh, just getting, <laughs> getting word here. Uh, so, uh, Michael, what's your second choice? My second one. I'm glad you brought up being disappointed. Mm-hmm. I do frequently, but uh, when I <laughs> talk like, with you, go ahead. My my next album is 1983's Hearts and Bones by Paul Simon. Oh, oh dear. Which is Solid. just so dad rock and boring. And I don't know why. One and one half wandering Jews <laughs> is the <laughs> opening song to, to no, really grab you. Uh, no, it's one. Allergies, which is like this kind of up, <laughs> up paced. It's just like this really, like it's the, it's the most energetic. Allergies. It's the most energetic. I'm sorry, I'm Jewish and that's like the most <laughs> Jewish opening track. It's, it's like uh, runny nose. and uh, <laughs> You think you could do this as good? Hey. Like, that, was, that was the B-side. Yeah, Allergies, My Hearts and Bones. is on there too. <laughs> when Numbers Get Serious. Think Too Much, Song mu- About the Moon. How much did this cost? Oh, there's two versions of Think Too Much <laughs> yeah. on there, by the way. Train Distance, Renee and Georgia Magritte and their dog after the war, which, a uh, good Lord, no one wants to uh, hear a song about that. Was this... Uh, cars, cars are Cars, which is... It was... <laughs> like, it's funny, like, 
I had this and I don't know if I bought it. I might have bought it because my parents were listening to Paul Simon. So it was like, okay, I want want the the newest Paul Simon. But it was like in his post uh, concert in Central Park where he was supposed to be teaming up with uh, Garfunkel again. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like always, it kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Is this pre or post Graceland? This, this is pre. pre right? This okay. is pre Graceland. This is right. before like all the world music kind of kicked right. in, and he kind of maybe this is what sent him on his way to kind of listen to something. That's, Which I would argue is kind of a sting move, like in terms of just like a, I'm going to take a, a hard turn here, like uh, you know something where he was like really trying. Yeah, versus going in. But this, I re- I hadn't listened to this album since I was a kid, and I went back and you know listened to it on Apple Music, and it was just like wow, I. Don't know why I listened to this so much. Was this the, was he, did this try to go a little new wave? I'm looking at the album cover and he looks fucking new wave as, yeah, as hell here. Skinny tie. He does. Like if you, if you look at. shirt with a blue collar. If you look at the cover of Chipmunk Punk, which you just mentioned. Right. Very similar. <laughs> Another skinny tie standing against some wall background. Right. But um, only one song, that first song, Allergies, would, would be kind of upbeat I, I keep coming back to it because that's, that's the incredible. one I, that's the one I remember. Everything else was so kind of slow and kind of that boring Paul Simon stuff. It reminds me of that uh, that documentary Jesus Camp, where there's like this seven year old who's like, I just realized that I needed to get my life together, and it seems like you got this album because you knew you needed to like settle down. It was time, it was time to like get yeah. serious with some serious music. He was into his really get into a good relationship and had to explore. Like the the last song in the album is the uh, the late great Johnny Ace, and he kind of had to explore the big moments of his life you know, in the sixties, and it was almost like a, like music for midlife crisis. It's yeah, sort of like a, the, the Phil Collins. You know, solo albums yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It was the year of the Beatles, it was the year of the Stones, the year after JFK. We were staying up all night and giving the days away. And the music. Did, it, did this add to your vocabulary as a young person of uh, identifying what you dislike and why? Do you recall just having a general anger at this album or did you think, I know why this is bad? Well, I remember listening to this one a lot and then when Graceland came out. Which, by the way, I will jump in even though it's not technically my choice. That's one of my choices. Is it? Okay. Yes. So well, I felt like we should just have a turn into the Paul Simon cast for a little <laughs> okay. bit. Yeah. Uh, I love that album too. Um, but when I thought of this category, this is the one that oh, sure. that came up for whatever reason. It, it's either taunted me or it's like reminding me of like, sometimes you don't listen to great albums. I listened to stuff on here and I was like, I don't remember any of these. I wonder if I fast forwarded through them a ton or just... I got- remember hearing just Rene and going, no. Like, it was just like, <laughs> so I was just like, ah. Like, I remember uh, Hearts and Bones a bunch and uh, Cars or Cars just because it was like the only other thing that was faster than five beats a minute. Yeah, and before that was uh, the last album he'd done. Before that was the movie One Trick Pony. Hmm. The soundtrack to that, which was a which has late in the evening on it, but it has a one has a couple of good songs. But the movie itself was a giant flop. And then Hearts and Bones comes out. I think I think he just gotten divorced from uh, Carrie Fisher, Hmm. right? I think somebody help me out here. No, no, he was uh, who was he to just get divorced from somebody before Edie Buckel? Well, we can we can let's transition into Graceland because God, the last the last. Well, do we want to do the? uh, the halftime. Yeah, it's the halftime. Here. You know, you're, prob- you're probably on iTunes right now. Um, you just downloaded the podcast. Uh, you may be a fan of music. You may be out poking around and you may wonder, what is this Mount Rushmore thing? And we still don't know. It's taken us like 60 episodes to try to figure it out. Um, but we want you to like it. And so uh, we want you to 
to tell us what you like about them. So go to uh, the old episodes, download, rate, and review. Let us know what you think about the new episodes. Let us know what episodes you might like to hear topics discussed. Uh, you can join us on Facebook at uh, Mount Rushmore Podcast edu and you can follow us on, on twitter <laughs> at um intellectual assholes nap and you can find us on napster if you want it for free versus having to pay for it for free on itunes you can find me on tinder uh you can find me in the club i'm here suit <laughs> here suit north hollywood boy um you can find me on grinder i'm within five feet of you where are you standing if you put fun on the geographic search <laughs> Look out the window. Look out the window. I'm right there. <laughs> it's me waving. Can you see me? I'm waving. Uh, this is the end of this thing. And now we're back. And so you were in the middle of Simon cast. And I did look this up while you were doing whatever you, that, we, that thing you do, Jeff. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, um, and he, he actually, uh, parts and bones was right when he first got married to Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And then, uh, I, Graceland's I, like right after they get like a little bit after they get divorced. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the songs from Graceland, oh, I think the first half wandering. <laughs> yeah. So. Is it asthma? The B side allergies? Um, the, uh, <laughs> the wheezing remix. Is really <laughs> the song Graceland, I think featured lyrics about Carrie Fisher directly. Right. And, and I, like advice that she'd given him and stuff. Okay. Sounds good. Let's agree to disagree, you guys. I don't know. Are we disagreeing, are we disagreeing about something? I'm not even sure. No, Let's I'm, agree I'm to just getting dis- dismissed okay. entirely. Let's agree. Well, I don't, I, I, no, no, that's no, fine. That's, that's, fine. That's, good. that's good information. That's yeah. good to know. No, we're... we're, we're you're we're, the one that could... We're setting the You're the one stage. that didn't know when they were married. Well, I'm sorry that I don't know Paul Simon and Carrie Fisher's well, personal... Apology accepted. There you guys, go. Guys, think about the people who are listening. Why um, uh, do we... Why should we start now, Jeff? Think about the listeners. So, uh, so Graceland, I remember, I, I, I wouldn't say that I was a huge Paul Simon fan growing up and it wasn't something that was necessarily in my family, but I do, I, I very specifically remember seeing him on, on Saturday Night Live when Graceland came out and he did Graceland, I think, and Diamond on the, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like something that I'd never heard yeah. before. Lady and, Smith back Mombasa. Yeah. They were, they were backing him up. And, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it Diamonds on the soles of her shoes He's a poor boy, empty as a pocket Empty as a and I, Perfect. And they touch their shoes for the shoe part which That's how you is know. amazing, <laughs> like in the lyrics. <laughs> they're basically they're they're South Africa's uh, answer to the Pips, I believe. <laughs> so, what was it you liked? You you thought they were? It was distinctive. just it was. I mean, first off, it's a fantastic album. Just the songs yeah. are great, taken apart from any sort of cultural mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, but it, you know, it might have been the first time being you know ten at the time that I'd really been exposed to world music or yeah. music that was really outside of the blues rock sort of world and it was just it was thrilling really to hear something that was just so different there's a lot of work so well i mean that could have been a disaster of an album just the idea of take this kind of white folk rock singer Mm -hmm. and have him go to south africa and start recording this album that's you know influenced by that influenced by like Zydeco and all this other stuff well and even the bass player was South African I think with that fretless bass like, yeah he was there was a, a lot of um, and and interesting to, the, to that period is that 
in the midst of, and that was like the heat of apartheid. That was when it was really, really getting horrible and like too much to bear and uh, the uh, not playing Sun City, little Steven. And hey, I'm not going to play Sun City, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you're done. No way, Jose. Um, but to for you and for everybody to have internalized just like the cultural value of of you know the the South African you know the the black experience at, without having to digest the political message of, of what was going on uh, was important sort of parallel. Uh, movement or momentum that he helped to develop. And I think it was. Yeah. And it's interesting with that album. I mean, there was some criticism of him that this was basically a form of cultural appropriation. You know, again, the kind of the rich white guy, white guy comes in, quote unquote, steals mm-hmm. a certain type of music. Um, I think he played, I think he played in like Soweto or some played a, a concert in there. And a lot of people were upset that he kind of broke the, the, uh, the ban on artists going yeah. to South Africa. Um, but it, when he did, it was a, it was, wherever he played it, it was like basically maybe one of the black sections of Johannesburg. So it was, it was open to everybody. And that was kind of his point that mm. no, we're actually trying to make, you know, use music to kind of, you know, build mm-hmm. bridges here. Yeah. Paul Simon is the, this one artist that I'm convinced is never actually playing his guitar when he's on stage <laughs> playing. He looks, he looks like he's like, grabbing the microphone for like several seconds at a right. time. The showbiz pizza bears and Plus, wasn't Chevy Chase playing the guitar most of that That's time right. for most of the album. But like, I always, I always think of Paul Simon just after like barely strumming those. I'm like, how is he getting any sound out of that? You That's know, it. there's some guy like off stage, just off to the very side, who's like doing everything. Oh, right, uncle. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you didn't see. He was he was always there. He was always playing. But he, when he couldn't sing all those Ladysmith Black Mombasa parts, that's when he he got kicked off the album and they yeah. brought in those. He guys. originally tried to do like a Bugs Awa, Bunny Awa. style thing where he sang all of the parts at once and just multi-tracked it but like <laughs> live. But they yeah. said you got to get actual guys in here. Man. Yeah, there's a cutout version where it's a, the, the all, all you hear in the background is just Garfunkel's high like, <laughs> instead of the. Well, they just. Well, they just slowed it down, and and then became the chipmunks. Basically, the chipmunks. Yeah, glad we could all. Well, the thing about the Paul Simon stuff too is that you always get this sense. Call me out. Is the, the the darker that was uh, the hearts and bones uh, original uh, slowed down uh, version of it, but like that you get you got a sense also that he genuinely truly liked the music that was like yeah. there was no thing that I'm gonna throw this in here like it's like doing some EDM version for the the irrelevant artist and because there was nothing there was nobody else that he was grabbing that from there wasn't like some weird underground it wasn't like Johnny Rotten was doing. Uh, you know, some African record, and hmm. he was like, "I'm going to yeah. do my it African record stunt. too." It, it was, he wasn't jumping. It wasn't out derivative of really at all. Yeah. Like, I, I will say that album it fits into the category of things that I did encounter as a young person and played the played to death. And that now it feels like finding a photograph of yourself and leg warmers and a members only jacket huh. and maybe like some rainbow suspenders. So a couple of months, <laughs> a couple of months ago for me, it does feel like a little bit of a guilty and oh, it's got, it feels kind huh. of embarrassing. Huh? That's, that's interesting because I, I went back and listened to it and I had a completely opposite reaction. Really? I think because it's kind of this fusion of world music and it, it still feels fresh to me. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen him do solo shows, you know, where he's, you know, done acoustic type versions of these songs. I think the songs, it works because the songs are still, the bones of the songs are still uh-huh. good. Wrapped around it. There's like the, just sort of like the, the echo or the, the, the reflex of listening to it, that, 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 that sort of stays as a, as, oh, cool. a, as a memory. Like when know. Springsteen plays the acoustic version, you, you hear the full band because it just feels so compelling or 
part of the thing. And last thing I would like to point out at this album is um, this is certainly maybe on the Mount Rushmore of albums where I don't know what the hell any of the lyrics are really about. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is most Paul Simon songs, if we're being honest yeah. about it. He is certainly somebody who does not write yeah. s- specifics. Well, I, I will tell you, Carrie Fisher only wore shoes with diamonds on both of them. <laughs> That's what killed her. Actually. That's what killed her. People don't know that. Took a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, great traction, though. She really never <laughs> fell down. <laughs> expensive where what's your next and why and where and why uh mine is an album i probably shouldn't have been listening to and it was definitely my sister's and this was licensed ill by the beastie boys from 1986 and uh i like them because i thought their voices sounded funny (laughs) (laughs) i like the chipmunks were you playing it at the wrong speed possibly i have i have a great affection for uh singers who have kind of weird voices like i really like i really like um getty lee uh, tom waits not so much but like um the guy uh, from uh, the guy from uh, uh, isaac brock from uh, modest mouse and uh i someone else is on this with my tongue but i can't think but i, I like a weird sounding voice and future islands guy is a weird yeah voice, yeah. yeah craig yeah, finn yeah, yeah. How about him i don't know craig it sounds finn. like he's just talking all the time but this album like i was so obtuse to what they were singing about and like Brass Monkey is, you know, well, here's a song about date, right? <laughs> like it's also juvenile and also like it, it kind of hit that peak of like, oh, they're singing about funny, weird things and I don't quite get it. And I don't remember listening to it like with my parents around. Yeah. Although I don't think that they would have really cared or pointed out all like the horrible mm-hmm. nature of it. Yeah. It was it well, was so sort of like shticky and like they're talking about White Castle and like even they grabbed the pl- piano player and punched him in the face which is one of my favorite lines in all of music. Uh, yeah, you know, from it was uh, just Paul like, Revere, right? Yeah, it's just like so over the top. And- FCA was with it and he's my ace so I grabbed the piano player and I punched him in the face. Piano player's out. The music stops. His boy had teeth and he got dropped. Mikey grabbed the money. FCA snaps the goal. I grabbed two girlies and a beer that's All, all of it is over the top. And like, I, Shticky is a good way to put it. And they were like acting out like these weird roles and they were, you know, had a mix of kind of rock and roll with fight for your right to party. And then... Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think they were fronting? I think they were fronting. That's what I mean. Do you think they were fronting on that album? It, it's hard to say. I mean, they had that weird like punk... They had so those weird they punk, were a punk band. They were a punk With like Egg Raid on that, Mojo yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, Polywogs like, too, yeah. I don't know. I think that they just lived in New York at the right time. They were like the children of New York intellectuals. It felt like they were taking an analytical approach. They they were celebrating songs about rape. <laughs> uh, they were celebrating what's fun about hip hop and rap, I think, but not trying to get distance themselves too far from it. But I do felt like they they could step out of some of the places where the original like purveyors of rap couldn't leave. Like so, I almost feel like they were very uh, observational tourists, but who were also hmm. performing. I think genuinely, but yeah. I I just like that they sounded like teenagers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they def- they definitely didn't sound like adults singing songs. Like as opposed to Paul Simon, who was very much like yeah. you know an old person. It sounded so juvenile, but had mm-hmm. a fun energy. Also like, sounded Jewish. <laughs> also another band that sounded pretty damn Jewish. Mm-hmm. It did seem like a Jerry no Lewis. allergies song. No. <laughs> no, no songs about allergies. My limited amount of DJing in high school and call. Well, no, I'm sorry, just high school. We played that to death in the the. Uh, the high school radio station, which had the broadcast range of the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And, but that did speak a lot to white suburbanites and their access to rap and hip hop. So it was like the, it was like our foot in the, the pool mm-hmm. of that 
genre and rock that wasn't necessarily punk but that had a different edge to it like the fact of sampling acdc was like uh-huh. here's this thing that you know about but it's taken in this sort of like weird direction yeah. and then drum machines are thrown in and it was like at least sort of nudging people beyond mm-hmm. what they knew or, or sort of out of something even if it wasn't toward like with the with the Lady Smith Black Mombazo doesn't mean that you're going to go buy like all these like South African folk recordings, but it's like at least just just, yeah, just I, planted this seed. I wonder if it was like weirdly safe for like a, a white audience to yeah, listen totally. to white guys. How awkward did did you go back and re-listen to this lately? It's it's yeah. kind of it's kind of uncomfortable it's to kinda, listen to. It's kind of bad, but it's it's amazing how it went from this to Paul's boutique and just the leaps and bounds that they've made. And check your head. And uh-huh. Right. Well, they certainly. I don't think they even felt really comfortable with the legacy of that album. No, I read uh, like an AV Club kind of retrospective about them and like this album being 30 years old now, which is amazing. It's weird. It's weird to go back and be like, oh, my God, this stuff is three yeah. decades old. Yeah. And uh, definitely they've had their reservations about the mm-hmm. content of the songs, whether it's she's crafty or yeah. girls and just the straight, straight up misogyny and kind of homophobia that kind of is riddled throughout it as a listener too i used to wonder about like the windows of time like we'd drive around in the suburbs um in in high school sort of um you know looking for trouble but like listening to the there's some front in there yeah Uh, you're looking for trouble (laughs) looking looking for study partners were you looking (laughs) for love in all the wrong places (laughs) all around overland park kansas um so uh but like that we were listening to the doors which, you know, what, 30 years afterwards, but wonder what were people in the 60s listening to music from the 30s? You know, that there's there aren't these sort of rolling generations of music. And so to wonder if kids today find anything appealing about the Beastie Boys, sort of that that's that same window of time, you know, hmm. I, don't, I don't know if there's any... Um, I've seen high school kids with Beatles shirts on and I wonder what they, mm-hmm. what is your frame of reference to that? Parents, grandparents. It's now like passed on like, like, legacy music it's like like folk music or something i mean ramones is a shirt for most people they i don't know if they know it's a band but it's (laughs) got a cool logo oh yeah you guys from the shirt so well it's like it's like hank's like lawn service it's the the distressedness of the shirt more than the sort of the content yeah okay uh richard you're up all right so my last one is speaking of the ramones it's sports by huey lewis in the news (laughs) but what i don't know just probably go there but that 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 was that that's the fourth one for me and this is very specific for me because this wound up becoming my mom's favorite album. Like this was the album. I mean, she played this thing constantly, but it was my album. She basically took it over. <laughs> um, Why did I? Sorry, I wasn't laughing. No, no, no. I just, it's, it's fine. It's just funny to me. It was, was funny to me too at the time. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I think Huey Lewis was the approved sort of rock dreamboat for every like middle-aged like yeah. white wife. You know, in, in somewhere in, in either the Midwest mm-hmm. or Central California or somewhere like that. There are three like LP album covers that I remember the most very specifically growing up. Uh, one of them was the Go-Go's, uh, the one where they're all covered in like makeup and they're... Uh, yeah. They're, uh, so we got the beat, right? Probably. Beauty and, Beauty and the Beat, is that it? Another one was... I guess you don't remember that well if you don't know the Like Visually, I remember that. Uh, Musical Youth uh, for Pass the Ducci. <laughs> It was just the album cover with these, uh, you know, all the guys on the, the front. And then the third one was uh, sports. Right. Just visually, like, I, I think back and that's I, all those three yeah. were in my house and whether they're my dad's or my sister's. Let's let's discuss how lazy that album title is for a second. Sports. <laughs> sports. <laughs> Not like there's a song on there called sports or there's any tracks that involve sports. Mm-hmm. What is the genesis? I wonder. Are it's they just things, called sports? Are they as individuals? There are some young men, men who are very sport sporty. 
No, no I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that necessarily. Or just a brilliant marketer who's just like Sports. you know. Yeah, I, there's I, a word that people like. Blue, you know. <laughs> <Right>. Blue. <laughs> so what? What? Uh, what? Something drew your mother to this? Did you, when I, you when you I think, found? She I, think she it, a, I think she had a. I think she had a thing. Well, I bought it first. Okay. And then then I think I think she just had a thing for Hughless. Okay. And it was very kind of. It was the type of music where if you're you know, 10 or 11, however old I was, eh, I guess I was younger than that. I guess it was like eight. It's the type of album that I think when you're eight or nine or 10, it's, it was the type of rock that was easy for you to process, yeah. you know, and it had, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, harder rock and roll. They're fun songs. And when you're that age, you, you want fun songs. And when you're 45, you know, 45 year old woman or whatever old my mom was, 50 probably at the time, you want kind of fun songs. You know, you're not you're not looking for Patty Smith or something yeah. like that. You know. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact too is that uh, Huey Lewis is the only human being ever to be born at age 38, <laughs> and he just like locked in place there. Looking at the album cover, he's got such an amazingly punchable face. Yeah, it's really. He punchable. just looks smug. The and chin is the look at most that chin. It's, it's, it's a it's you a bullseye yeah, right you could, there. Yeah, if if you did swing, you couldn't miss his chin. No, well, it'd he, be has, impossible. he has skin like a catcher's mitt. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it does seem like he was probably the easy right. alternative to to things that were a little bit more. If, if maybe U two was already being political or the punk rock was still edgy and dangerous, he was definitely uh, pretty. Um, Are you questioning my mother's taste in men? Your mother. What's happening an, here? Your mother's an angel of a woman, and I would never question any <laughs> of her. Angel decisions. of the morning. Too. Yeah, yeah I just my mother her. was Juice Newton. Everybody, in case you guys don't know. Okay, so uh, the last one. My last one is the soundtrack from the movie Stand by Me. Wow, 1986. I remember entering the sixth grade or the seventh grade, and someone asked me, "What kind of music do you listen to?" And I made the gigantic mistake (laughs) of saying oldies (laughs) and now i'd listen to some other stuff i could have said like the beastie boys and rap but no i opened my big fat mouth and said oldies and sure i listened to k earth 101 a fair bit i grew up with my dad who grew up in the beatles generation and all of these songs from this you know they're all very classic 50s songs. There's, what were the repercussions to this? Did pig's blood fall from the ceiling of the gym I was, or something? I, was, I, I remember being branded like such a dork. <laughs> yes, that was it, Michael. No. It was because of that one choice in music <laughs> it, it that could, you were branded Not the dork. suspenders and the saddle shoes. Listen, I made a lot of terrible choices after that, trying to correct said coolness. <laughs> I had to have a pair of like Nike Air Max shoes. Oh, okay. Stab somebody for them. Versus like whatever generic tennis shoes I had. Uh-huh. I did own purple parachute pants. Oh, yes. Right. I had... Do they still fit? No, I wish. I wish I had them now. But I remember... Ma- they like, fit regular now. They just be like regular <laughs> pants. I remember loving this album and loving every track on this album. And it's short. It's 10 songs. It's, you know, Every Day by Buddy Holly to Stan, you know, Mr. Lee by the Bob Ads or whoever. One, two, three, Look at Mr. Lee's three, four, five. Look at him die, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. I'm in my 
really loved 50s music. I went to the K-Earth 101 Golden Oldies concert at the Universal. Cool. Uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, amphitheater. Amphitheater before they tore it down or turned it into the whatever, Palladium, whatever it was. And it was the Gibson. Uh, yeah, the Gibson. Thank you. And I remember seeing like uh, the Tokens playing The Lion Sleeps oh, cool. Tonight. Wasn't on the album, but I was so okay and really interested in 50s music and then i remember that getting like shut out of me like after that i remember like this being like the last thing that i i listened to it was like your last stand so yeah. to speak uh, there you go but it's funny how like kids can ruin you for just being uncool <laughs> and this is the kids album are the worst they're, they're really the worst. Really the worst. worst but i don't know it was just like i play this you know back to back and it would just it would just be on repeat. I did the enjoy the American Graffiti soundtrack, which was like a double album. Hmm. And then in high school, I remember the thing that we played for some reason. The high school, I had theater kid kids at the high school theater parties was the the Big Chill soundtrack, which was I was going to mention that oldies, there, yeah. there was like this this pocket of like a few years where the oldie soundtracks were yeah. like the big thing. So Stand by Me, Big Chill, uh, yeah. Dirty Dancing. Well, and now I wonder if a kid... Mm-hmm. Well, La Bamba. La Bamba. Yeah. If a kid likes Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack today, are you an a-hole for that? Kids who are listening, let us know if you're an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> our, our next review, yes. <laughs> yes. How do you feel about Sweet? <laughs> sweet, The Sweet, Fox on the Run. Uh, I don't know. It was just one of those the albums that I felt uncool in the aftermath of like being like... Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's it. But then, you know, Stand By Me was sampled within the past like 10 years. There was a song uh, called Beautiful Girl by Sean Kingston and the entire thrust of it, the whole main line of it is Stand By Me, you know, so there's some like almost visceral response to God, that. God, I was cool, wasn't yeah. I? Yeah, I mean, it's, also it's Lieber and Stoller who, I mean, it's just like, you know, they knew what they were doing. Like you were almost being tapped into like your your brain. They knew how people were programmed. Right. I uh, I just find that, I actually find that a little surprising that you caught caught some shit for that. I, I, I really find that a little surprising. I don't think that would have happened where I grew up. So maybe, and maybe that's like a big city versus smaller. Well, but you said all these, you didn't say as represented on the soundtrack to stand by me, which has a switchblade in the movie, Sure, you know, but thereby making it, it all. Yeah. Okay. Kids, kids with, uh, you know, all, all, no, cool, cool teenagers in that movie. I remember, you know, we had like a sock hop, like a 50 sock hop at our in middle and in junior high, like every year. Oh, you did. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, ever seem to remember there being a stigma about that that's just again i just wonder if that's something like growing up in los angeles versus a small town where you know we're simpler folk back then i mean i I could have the the 70s just barely got to us in the 80s so (laughs) 50s were still cool so did you have a was it 50s music being played or was it contemporary music played at the sock said sock oh yeah said sock opera it was it was like 50s and early 60s and you know the the girls would dress up in poodle skirts that their their old mom's old poodle skirts or ones they made for him and you know, guys try to look like greasers. Wow, cool. Okay, so uh, these gentlemen have... Sam. By the me, way, I grew up in Shanana. I, didn't, I failed to mention that, guys. I was, in the, I was the little kid oh, I from love, Shanana. I love Bowser. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, Sam and I are going to co-judge, but Sam, I, I, I talked to you about this category, and you were kind enough to let me know that uh, some of the music that you acquired in early age, what, what were they? Um, so I, I, there's an interesting sort of, uh, I'll be just, I'll decide if it's non-interesting, <laughs> okay. uh, totally, uh, boring, uh, technological preface, which is that I had a, a the, my first CD player was a boom box. Jeff had the first CD player that I was aware of. And I remember getting the, the CDs that were actually like 
um, modified to fit the record shelves in the yeah. stores. They put oh, yeah. long uh, superfluous boxes on them that were, were 12 inches the long. long. cases, what You remember called? that? Yeah. yeah. It would be, uh, yeah. so it was like the, and you got like the Beatles white album on CD, but it was actually the size of the Beatles actual mm-hmm. white album. It was absurd. Um, and then the boom box that I had had space in the back of it for four jewel cases, like in the boom box. Hmm. And I was like, all right, I got to get four CDs and this is going to be like my collection. So at that, that time, the, again, you judge, but the cool or it seemed like de rigueur uh, CDs to have were Eric Clapton's Unplugged, <laughs> yeah. um, Michael Jackson, Dangerous. Sure. And then, so those were the, the first two that my grandma got for me as we bought the boom box itself. Um, and then I asked uh, my brother Jeff for another couple, which to catch up, uh, were uh, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him by uh, yeah. a rapper named MC Hammer. Speaking and of parachute pants. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the consummate parachute pants. And then the soundtrack to a movie about a teenager who was frozen in ice and lived <laughs> in a local town. Harry Potter. And Encino. Encino Man, uh, starring Brendan Fraser and uh, Polly Shore, who yeah. went on to uh, wheeze the juice uh, in front of all of us for many, <laughs> many years. So those were, and which did cruelly not featured the song I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred, which was like the focal point of the movie, <laughs> but instead had like Vince Neil solo cuts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so that, that those were memories. And also my, I, why I felt compelled, it makes uh, your choice of, you know, uh, sort of bummer Paul Simon seem, you know, like a, like a Go-Go's or Clash album or something that I bought Eric Clapton unplugged, I think for the song Tears in Heaven, like that I just like needed that in my oh, young man. life. What kind of kid were you? That, that song about his, his son falling to his death on like 80 floors. Need that one. That was just like what was on MTV at the time. And I think I just would listen to that and read the Psalms or something like that. And it just, uh, yeah. You're just crazy. That that the video for that song for Tears in Heaven won like best video yeah. of the year. It was that him was sitting, him. Ba- <laughs> keeping himself from crying, like barely holding. Can it you together. imagine how angry Michael Jackson was for whatever a uh, multi million dollar extravaganza <laughs> Wait, was spent? That wasn't the video from the uh, movie Rush, like the, the Jennifer Jason Lee, I believe. And then also, but they, I think the dominant, they probably made one like yeah. that, but then the dominant one was of, it was just a cut from Eric Clapton Unplugged. Just the unplugged all one. the unplugged performances, they basically, like all apologies, the uh, Nirvana one that sort of like, you know, yeah. dominated everything. I didn't even know that it was on In Utero and I had In Utero, like it, the, so many of those uh, uh, unplugged performances became like hit videos. And mm. um, just real quick before you guys deliberate and all this stuff. Was I the only one who had a boombox in my car that I had put in the passenger seat because we did not have a CD player in the car? A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people did that, right? Not just me. I think I I had that. But you would go through D batteries like crazy. So much, man. Oh, my God. D cell batteries. Gentlemen, and I use that term incorrectly, this has been fun, uh, but a decision must be made. And I am just the man to make that decision with another man who shares the same name as my man. And so, uh, gentlemen, uh, we will retire to the judges' quarters, and we will come back in a day, and we will let you know uh, what we choose. But we will fast forward through the day. We are back. We have delivered. We are back, Robin, and have deliberated. We're back. We've deliberated, and Sam... Your judgeness is going to be put on trial here. I want you to judge the shit out of these guys. Okay. Uh, do you, did you find any thematic through lines in Michael's choices? Yeah, Michael, it seems, um, you know, that you, you crave really belonging 
and I'm not just, I just want to make sure that I am judging you as a human being and not just um, these uh, choices that you made today. He's not, uh, he's cr- not fretting, you guys. The bond, a connection uh, both uh, to your parents, who um, I'm sure love you very deeply, um, and uh, ish, ish. Um, so, like, I, I've, met, I've met Michael's dad enough times. One time he showed up at a kickball field just to tell Michael he, he should call, but call him more often and then left. <laughs> And anyway, I, go on. My dad has been to two of my games altogether. That's it. You know, it's rough when your dad yells, get the bat off your shoulder and it's a kickball game. <laughs> yeah. You're like, come on, dad. Um, so, but the, uh, the both an, uh, an attempt uh, to uh, to connect different songs uh, to each other uh, and through the, through the format of a compilation or soundtrack and to sort of get a nice, uh, you know, ready-made delivery of, uh, of oldies or of uh, high-pitched, awful new wave uh music uh, just to uh make sure that you had that sort of in your in your arsenal and, and trying to, to bond about with the kids school. Yeah, yeah yeah you know and then um also to to get something because you wanted to know all the lyrics to uh renee and george at Magritte and the dog after the war to uh to connect with your parents mm-hmm. and uh, make them force them to love you um they uh that these are some themes that came out um on the uh on the podcast couch here um, and, uh, so that, that was interesting. Um, Jeff, I don't know, but interesting. It was, um, it was, uh, Pathetically it, it, it emerged. It emerged. Hmm. Yes. Neutrally. Uh, Richard, what Hold do you on think? A second. Before, before you guys do that, I need to check to make sure that my insurance covers this type of therapy. So let me, <laughs> let me not let anymore. Call to my HMO and <laughs> check that. Thanks. Th- thanks Trump. The deductible is going to be your uh, main uh, hurdle there. This is a, this podcast is a pre-existing condition. <laughs> Go on. The uh, and then um, Richard, I think uh, that you like seeing pe- people um, break free of uh, of the strictures of uh, of a genre that they had even in in you know, as a Freddie Mercury type uh, has articulated well, I want so well. To break free that they um, want uh, to take things to the next level. You appreciate that uh, that artistic um, um, unshackling,ness yeah, mm-hmm. the, the unshackling of a, a young Gordon Sumner from his. Uh, <laughs> Um, from Stuart Copeland and his mm-hmm. traditional um, jazz, uh, uh, you know, left hand snare grip, uh, and uh, that uh, that there's yeah that theme even um, uh, with sports uh, potentially also an interesting uh, you know if we're into the into the psych world and on the um, the therapist couch uh, you obviously have a lot of insight into your mother's taste in in men <laughs> from from everything that we've heard so um, but that. Uh, that overall, you you like you like people who uh, break momentum, and you can't um, even front with this guy. Yeah, there's no fronting. That's rearing is what's happening. Bad rearing. Who, who, who get away from their musical father? You um, could uh, could say so. Uh, so these were uh, themes that uh, yeah, musical transformation in general and uh, a desire for uh, education about other genres, other places in the world, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, with the South African artists being brought into Paul Simon's Graceland. So what what about points? Uh, you know, we could say these guys with zero fronting as the policy have just merely presented us with these uh, choices. And is it fair for us to really judge them? Or could we judge based on f- amount of fronting that we think might have happened? Uh, <laughs> or, you know, also... You know, Jeff, uh, I forgot to mention uh, Matthew Sweet album. Should oh, have shit. been one of mine. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, Richard is the winner. 100% front. <laughs> front is the winner front. So uh, in, in doling out some points, I, I will say what I was very very much admired is the amount of emotion that uh michael brought to his choices a lot of his choices were painful openly weeping yeah Yeah. because they usually had as a sidecar some personal rejection that he received from the people who he admitted 
too. And I know I've rejected him personally based on his choices. So it's been a breakthrough podcast yeah. in a lot of ways. So his, I, his fear of chipmunks. He's probably chipmunks. figuring out where that where that came from. So I have point uh, point for chipmunk punk. Yeah. I think. Uh so one for Winfield. And I think a point for sports by Huey Lewis in the news. So one for Mrs. and son. Is Matt that a Freddy. point or like a run or a touchdown? or? It's a, a carved face on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Oh, Huey yeah. Lewis's you chin, after, you need extra yeah. carving. What mm-hmm. you don't know, Sam, is after this that you have to go and actually go so and carve it out of a mountain. So yeah. The San Gabriel <laughs> Mountain. Yeah. I, I also think Paul Simon reared his head very uh, prolifically in this. So I think... He was actually sneezing from allergies. I think yeah. Was, <laughs> I, I would say point for Paul Simon for each of them. They each get a Simon. Hold on. I just figured something out, guys. Beautiful. First, uh, the first song from, uh, well, not one trick. It was when you had uh, Heart and Bones. Hearts and Bones. Uh, Allergies. First song from uh, Graceland, Boy in the Bubble. (laughs) There's something happening here, guys. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. Shots was the first (laughs) Uh, song. His, his immune system. I'm very concerned about his well, immune system. I'm looking up the song for Rhythm of Alvin the Saints. Hearts and Bones, the baby in the baboon heart. Alvin and the chipmunks. Alvin. Theodore and who? Alvin. Oh Simon. Simon. Theodore. Uh, uh. Do, oh, do, man. Do, 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 do. I got to look up sports and see if there's a person named Simon in. Or Garfunkel. Or that Huey this, Lewis. This is, is a bad pod if I'm pausing to look up anything. Huey Levinson. <laughs> as he okay. Called. So, um. So how many points are we at? So, so we've got we've two issued each, right? we've yeah, issued two each. So okay, draw. fuck it, it's a tie. Uh, that's so how sports. Now is. it's a thumb war to settle, yeah. and that's on the <laughs> new, new YouTube channel. Indian leg wrestling, Indian just leg. like they did in a Stand by Me. So this has been the Matt Rushmore podcast. I have been Jeff. I have and continue to be Sam. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. <laughs>